What's happening? Welcome to Cantori and You. I would uh, I'd be your host, Chris Cantori, and today we're talking to a man who needs no zero introduction. Slow mo. That's my impersonation of slow mo in action. Okay, he's cruising down the boardwalk, PB down to the South Mission Jetty in slow mo. Be, uh, before we sit down with slow-mo, you get to hear his story. He'll drop some crazy wisdom, crazy in a good way, serious wisdom, and uh, and some hot takes with slow-mo. That's on the way. But first, want to bang out some sponsors and uh, thank yous. Thank you to Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth for providing the background music that you hear right now. Jake Nager, prolific local artist and his project, The Moment of Truth. Also, thank you to Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance. If you're planning a trip down to Baja, hit them up, BajaBound.com. They've been in operation for, for quite some time. Professional surfers use them. Josh Kerr, anytime he travels to Mexico, he hits up BajaBound.com. And a lot of people take part in the races down there. You can get all your belongings, or most of them, should I say, covered uh, via Baja Bound. It's really a tremendous resource. And uh, traveling down to Mexico right now, super super hot i won't say it's as loose as the 80s but uh, a lot of people traveling to baja we're going down in a couple of months i'm pumped also thank you to tori holistics who have been with us for quite some time and uh, i actually do uh, commercials for tori over at 91x and uh, here on the u network tori holistics is a legal licensed dispensary, adult use, and for medicinal purposes. Uh, you can learn more about what they do on their website, toriholistics.com. They're in Sorrento Valley and serving all of San Diego and the closest legal licensed dispensary to the North County uh, as it stands. If you uh, hit their website, you get a full menu, all the information uh, about the dispensary, educational resources, and uh, the delivery service, Tori to you, up there as well. Again, it's toriholistics.com. And then uh, finally, before we get to slow-mo, thank you to the Scooter Farm also for being with us. Scooter Farm is an amazing scooter shop. It reminds me of an old-school skate shop in Claremont, and it's a fantastic operation. If you have a kid in the house who uh, likes the scooters, we're, we're not talking razors here. The things these kids do on the scooters, insane. They have summer camps running through August. You can learn more about the shop, the camps, and all their products at thescooterfarm.com. I'd love to get slow-mo on a scooter. How rad would that be? Take a slow-mo out of the rollerblades, the inline skates, and throw them on a scooter going up and down the boardwalk? Yeah, I don't see it happening either. First question for you is, did you see the documentary on you? Uh, yes. Did you like it? Yeah. I liked every part of it. It was yeah. a beautiful piece. It was put together <clears throat> by um, some uh, young fellows, and actually they spent a good one to two years. They came down here a whole bunch of times and stayed a weekend each time and took uh, films. And the uh, editors, there were a couple of editors that were really very, they were young, enthusiastic, about the idea that there was somebody like me or, or that they were the subject matter. Sure. And the, somebody, the, the head fellow, um, Eisenberg, was the son of a friend that I had had in medical school and still have to some extent. We're not in 
you know, reunions and that type of thing. So the guy who made the movie was he the son his, of a, a friend yeah, you went to medical he school was with. A, um, yeah, and he was wanting to break into uh, making documentaries for a living. He had made, gotten an award or two. And this one, <clears throat> I think it, they just, uh, the subject captured, they really spent more than the usual amount of time and effort on it and just edited it, the pieces together in a way that really, I mean, it was beyond what I personally could have done with it. It was or, stunning. Yeah, it, it was beautiful. And they're using it in teacher, uh, in uh, lots of teaching, uh, like schools and colleges now, not only here in America, but in Europe uh, as a teaching uh, tape in, in various classes. I've, I've talked to, well, I've heard of, of maybe 10 or, 50 or 20 of them, but then I talked directly with the instructors uh, over the last few years who told me how they're using this film and, uh, to teach their students. And are they using it as a, as a tool for, for film class or for psychology? A good question. Um, the, the feedback that I'm getting directly uh, from teachers and uh, professors and, that have come here um, is that they, they teach it for the purpose of inspiring their students. Right. To actually to take hold of their lives and do something with their lives. Okay, so the, the feedback I've gotten is that they teach it primarily for that. Uh, like, and the students really like it a lot. The younger, the uh, earlier high school students. And, uh, well, I just talked to, a, I did a blog with a um, high school class in, uh, Hawaii. Okay. And they were they had uh, taught a certain amount of class on the film and the ideas of it and written some themes and that type of thing. So, um, but the film, if it were me, and I was teaching, I would do it to show the artistry of it uh, because of the way uh, it's introduced and it keeps a low. Uh, uh, kind of a low uh, uh, tone, and then it, it right at the time that you're about to get bored with that, they bring in something, another one. It's just pieced together uh, to keep a full interest all the way to the end. Sure. And there's no uh, negativity. Like everything, including me, or any any subject, can be looked at positively and negatively. Right. And for some reason, every angle that they put on the subject of slow-mo in that documentary was from the view of a person who was thinking positively. Yeah. So usually you can see, particularly um, <clears throat> in examples of fake news and this type of thing, they're always sliding in. It's a little bit like somebody hitting after the bell. Yeah. They don't call it, but they see it. Want to get their shot in. Yeah. Well, I, this is always present in documentaries. And you get so it's like the person who is the director just can't hold back yeah. his secret. Uh, so, but this, this film was absolutely purely. I've never seen anything comparable where just you didn't. Just stay on the same plane. And I've not gotten one. Um, I've not had anybody say, well, you know, that kind of made me mad because of this and that. You're out here yeah. skating and the rest of us are working our asses off. I never got uh, anybody 
came coming up with a negative uh, you know seeing the other side as I understand it when the documentary they put it in the New York Times a few years ago that's when it really blew up right and I, and I think there was a big discussion that went on but I don't know after that I decided not to get in it very smart of you yeah yeah I, I, you know in my life I've made a million wrong decisions but once in a blue moon I make the right one I could relate <laughs> that was one of the right ones <laughs> I could relate I know how that otherwise goes. I'd be wearing a beard and pretending I was a fat guy right now <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that role but yeah uh, you can see the people that have decided to go down low profile you know the when you said that there was that dialogue or that back and forth, I look at it as jealousy. People who are, and you already said it, are part of the machine, part of the grind, and they wish they could live the same existence as you, right? Well, I don't, I don't, personally, I've never heard, I don't, for some reason, I don't hear anything negative. Good. uh, About me. I don't either. But, so, that's, thank God, so far it's not been a subject. And I'm not somebody to, to follow up opinions, for instance, my niece is the primary person taking care of my Twitter and all that. Right. I, matter of fact, I wouldn't even know how to do a Twitter. Sure. You know, I do keep up with uh, politics, but right to the point, you know, the details through the Internet. I, yeah. I don't watch any of the, I can't trust any, but any of the fake news sources. As a matter of fact... Fake news, even Fox, is a study in in and of itself of how to see something that's making a very educated and intelligent attempt to appear to be the truth, but it is indeed a lie. This is an art. That's an art, and you can study the art the audit deception, you could call it, by watching fake news and, and the uh, things that we get to see on TV. Yeah. You know, NBC, ABC, CBS, and CNN, it, it, they are a study in how to deceive people by appearing to be truthful. And that is the art of being a lawyer, is not to find the truth but define a lie that appears to be the truth but benefits a hidden agenda and that's a phenomenon that um, trusting kind of down-to-earth people it's part of their education to realize that there's a huge number of people that are living in that mental state and as long as you stay in the mental state where you don't recognize the dishonesty of other people in this respect, you will be suckered over and over. And uh, our population, our country has been suckered, suckered over the last uh, 30 years. But anyway, that's... So when it came to that New York Times piece, was there any changes in your life? Oh, no, 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 no. You, you didn't profit matter of fact, from that or anything no, like that. No, I didn't. Pro- yeah. Matter of fact, I hadn't profited from any of anything to do with slow mo. Even I think some other people may have, but in a way, slow mo. I'm trying my best to keep slow mo out of the 
the greed, you know, the yeah. deadly sins. I'm trying to keep slow-mo you like being away off, from the deadly sins. Right, you like being off off the radar, off yeah, the grid. Greed, greed can grab you. It's an addiction as bad as opium. Talking about the opium addiction in this country, what about the greed addiction? You ain't kidding, but don't you think that's why people are attracted to you? Because I think so many of us did grow up with that whole greed, you know, whatever the American dream was, you flipped it on its ass. I think you're right. I think that that's what a lot of people would like to do. They'd like to walk away from it. There have been movies, you know, a good one was made um, where the guy was caught in traffic going to L.A. Oh, falling down? Yeah. <laughs> I could relate to that. Yeah. You could relate to the of one. Of course. Yeah. I think we all can relate to that person who's just over it and says, it, I'm it done. Just, yeah, I'm done. I'm yeah, done yeah. with the machine. I'm done with the system. I'm going to do what I want to do in life. Yeah. And yeah. for you, obviously, yeah. that was skating on, on Oceanfront Walk. Now, for those who haven't seen the documentary and they're meeting you for the first time here, where were you born? North Carolina. I was born on a, uh, outside of Raleigh on okay. a farm in North Carolina. And I grew up in North Carolina on a little dairy farm. Okay. And you went to med school and all your schooling was back there? Uh, I went to, yeah, I went to med school at Wake Forest. Uh, I went to... Emory, which is in Atlanta, for uh, a couple of years of medical training, uh, internship and residency. Then I went to the University of Miami for three years. Then I came out, I was in the Navy for a special program called the Berry Plan. Okay. And I, I did that for two years, and uh, which was the length of time for that program. And I was sort of stranded out here in California from the, the, uh, the Navy brought, had brought me out here. I was up in Long Beach, and I worked there in a few of the hospitals uh, for about three years. And then I decided to, I was still unmarried and kind of free to do anything, really, with my life. And I decided to um, take a psychiatric uh, residency down here in San Diego. So I spent two more years of training to see it really, I, I, it was in my. It was an academic thing for me. I wanted to to learn about that side of things. I specialized in neurology, and I, I thought I was knowledgeable about the state of the art as far as what we knew about the brain and that type of thing. So I, and I had the opportunity, so I came down here, and that's the way I got to San Diego. And you pivoted to the the psychology side of medicine. I did. Uh, well, I, I I did for two years. I pivoted to that side, and then when I got out, I started a private practice uh, in neurology and psychiatry together. I tried to do them together. Got it. But it, um, I think it, psychologically, it's almost impossible to be a psychiatrist and almost anything else because right. the state of mind is really uh, kind of in and of itself different from other states of mine. And obviously that's where you uh, you achieved all your success and you had the, the house on the hill uh, yeah, and the I, fancy I, car and all yeah, that. Yeah, and I, I fell into it like a... a and, and, and you see it. You see it every, I see it everywhere. It's common that a person who didn't have things at some time in his life, it'd be like, a, why, do, why do we have so many fat people? It's because they experienced, a lot of them experienced hunger as a child at some point, or their mother or father did. 
And so there, these things can run in generations. Right. You can be making up for the past. And in a way, my father worked every damn day of his life from earlier than sunshine or sunrise uh, and without any relief except for the help that, that we gave him as children. And it was, it was, just thinking back on it, the tedium of doing that. So, in a way, you know, it dawned on me, I was skating one day, and I said, I'm making up for my father, you know, because he worked his ass off every day without any, uh, never made any money to speak of, never had, never had enough money to uh, own a wallet. What'd your dad do? He was a dairyman. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In North Carolina, a small <laughs> farm. That's what I'm talking about. Right. How much? I mean, it's not like you need Goldman Sachs for that, right? right? So you're delivering uh, bottles of milk, right? So when his son, being one of four, it was me, as soon as I got enough money, even though I don't, I've never been in the jewelry watches or anything. I've never wasted my money. I find myself buying a long jean watch. Yeah. And then I went part of me just went down the trail it, it it it's human growing up it's having a life but uh you can see and a lot of people catch on to it at a certain point and then they they plane out they yeah. change you know and that's what happened to me no and i get that and, and i also am curious as to what age and what point of your life were you in at that moment because i put everything in age brackets oh yeah um well i was i was when i could when i saw the this turning point where I could become slow-mo, I was about 55. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, so it, it happened early. I still had my health. And, um, yeah, things fell into place. I have a son, and he was uh, already in college, or he was already right at, getting ready to go into college. I can't remember exactly how it overlapped. But, um, and so... Uh, I had the option, I had my debts paid, so um, it fell into place. I said, I want to, you know, Christ said something that to me is, I mean, he said several things that would be outstanding even if you didn't know who said them, right? But one of them is, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. And I had always been aware that there was this dichotomy in all of us where you were wanting part of yourself to be spiritually, to develop spiritually. And another part, you want to have a nice car and you want to have good clothes and you're thinking chasing women depending on your age. You're doing all that yep. kind of worldly stuff. But there, there are two, two things and you kind of can see if you put them in your mind's eye and compare them it's like you can see if they're balanced or not. And um, you can see in the middle of life, you can lose yourself. And the worldly side of you will get very large. And the spiritual side, it'll almost get to the point with physicians and doctors and, and more, the more scientific kind of community. It'll get to the point where they do not First off, they don't believe in any kind of real God like anybody else. They might believe 
scientists defer it off like it's oh they might be a supreme being or something like that they they're on that's about as deep as they're more agnostic f- you're right. right they're kind of agnostic but the main thing is and i was that way it's almost like they don't recognize their own the presence of their own soul they don't believe that they themselves really exist they don't believe that they are going to exist after they die they think that they are the product of neurological uh, electricity coming off of nerve cells and they talk a lot about dopamine and things like that but you can see that the mystical side of them it's it's been crushed like a child that who is born in a large family but for some reason the father will never speak to that child yeah and they go through a good uh, the middle third of life is a good solid 30 years at least so they go i would say you typically lose the soul uh in the first 20 years of that and you may be lost completely and be as they say as the people on the uh talk about it being satanic or luciferian in other words you're you have a scientific mind you're just a biologic entity of some kind that just happened to be here. There's nothing wonderful happening anywhere other than maybe you could say, you know, sure, it pleases me to hear good music or see a beautiful painting. But the fact is, these people, and, and, and that includes all of us, it included me, they don't believe in the soul and they don't believe in a spiritual world. They're just like an animal that happened to be a little bit more intelligent than a dog. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, We're they all animals, and, and beyond I'm that, beyond that, they don't care. It's not like it concerns them, you know? So, um, and that's a loss. And you can see if matter of fact, in a way you could ascribe this downfall of America, at least to the people that were already here. The reason they didn't protect their country and take care of it more like a person would. I mean, if you drive by and you see a house that's not been painted in 20 years, it's not, the lawn's not mowed, it looks like it was a beautiful house. You wonder, what is wrong with the people that live inside of it? Why are they not taking care of the house? This is the situation we've been here in America. And you wonder, what's been wrong with the people that live here? Why would they not be willing to take care of their home and that question would go into this kind of thing what we're talking about it, they had lost the belief in the soul they lost the belief in an afterlife they lost in a way the belief in a future i just think a lot of us lost hope hope yeah of course yeah exact precise it's and they throw in the towel but i can definitely relate to that middle third of yeah, life that yeah. you're talking about because yeah. I'm 48 years old, and I I have never done so much self-reflection in my life. And if I was in a financial position to pivot and do nothing but surf every day, I would. There's no question. Exactly. But I have young kids, unlike you. I don't have kids already on their way to college. I don't have that foundation. I still have debt. Therefore, I still have to keep fighting at 48. Exactly, exactly. But you did it at 55 it was it was premeditated right to a degree no you know i'll tell you in my mind it was not premeditated and not for any length of time i expected 
uh, to go all the way to the really? end of my life and kind of maybe get a heart attack in the 70s and, <laughs> like most doctors and then die. You know? Yeah, it's, in, it's it, funny. I'd, I get it. say, well, he, he's still going to work. I, I expected that was my plan. He worked every day. Worked <laughs> to the day he died doing what he loved. And looking back, I began to redirect to some extent my life after my father died on that idea that, that we're living for other people. And then when my mother died, I think I redirected it even more. I mean, really, in a way, you're living for your parents uh, or you're living for uh, some ideal. Your spouse. Yeah, your spouse. Your boss. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I tell all these young guys up and down here, because I talk to a lot of people when I'm skating, uh, they're tourists and whatnot with families. Uh, If you're going to get married as a man, you really should think of it as being dedicating yourself to a tremendous sacrifice of your own wherewithal and and pleasures. Agreed. For a period of no less than 20 years, maybe 30 or more, you've got to understand that it's a redirection of life. You cannot be a great father and a, a great businessman. You just can't do both. You've got to be prime to be a good father. You've got to be primarily a father and be dedicated through the whole thing, and that's the way to do it. And if you're not willing to do it, then damn, be some. I mean, we got enough people already. Don't be a father, you know. <laughs> well, I think a lot of us, you know, we do want to be parents, but at the same time it's just so hard to survive and it's so hard to provide therefore it is hard to be a a functional present father when you're too busy running around and hustling to try to keep the lights on (laughs) and the food on the table all right and and when when you're thinking on that side you should remind yourself that human beings have never lived in a rose garden men fathers have always had to sacrifice tremendously and much more than they do in this nice society so when we're driving to work that's the counterpart of some other guy that's scrounging hell you know they (laughs) i can i can remember this in the south when i was a kid they were still using mules to plow Okay, now that's hard work. In the <laughs> right. I mean, that's not like deciding to change, to buy these stocks and yeah. move these bonds over Going here. Go Qualcomm and complaining <laughs> about sitting on the five. <laughs> I mean, really, we've got to put it in pushing perspective. pushing mules. God, it, when we volunteered for this, we might not remember it, and I don't. I think, I, I think of this is that we were all sleeping in a barracks somewhere in heaven, and they woke us up and had us all line up and most of us were asleep, but we had somehow or another been volunteered to go to Earth and do this, okay? <laughs> this assignment. <laughs> but I can't remember exactly when if they read the whole thing to us. Because <laughs> <laughs> who would sign up for this? I don't this? think most of us can remember signing up. Yeah, know? I don't know if I would have signed up for this well, if it, I knew it, what was in store. If you get older... You think more and more about what it would be like if life is just a repetitive thing, you know, go through the same life over and over. And so you you get familiar with the pros and cons of of going back through this life. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, first off, can you imagine sitting in the first grade 
every day. <laughs> My kids do it now. I don't know how they do it. How did they do that? How does a teenager... No wonder they have to put themselves into some sort of sleep mind yep. to tolerate it. You know, How do you have that discipline to just you sit watch, in a chair for eight when hours? When you watch the, um, the students at high schools and look at the state of mind that they're in, it's a... It's a I reckon it's biologically what's supposed to happen, but they go into some sort of uh, frozen state. Like it would be like uh, you freeze a, you slow freeze a, a a fly, and then you thaw him out and he flies away. Okay, they <laughs> they put their mind on ice. <laughs> on ice. Yeah, Going to a zombie state. Yeah, and get they their have diploma. to. If they had a real mind, could they sit in there and listen to the like? Uh, whatever's being taught. Well, that was always my thing, just even when I look back at how I entered the world and how much I didn't know. Like, I didn't know anything about credit scores, credit cards, how to manage debt, how to manage finances, banking. Right. Just the important things that just get right, through right, life right. just to survive. Right, right, yeah. Right. I didn't have those tools. I learned right. that shit the hard way when things went belly up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what exactly. that means. Yeah. Yeah, that's what twenty-one percent interest rate means, I know, they, and why I should never have done this. You know, um, to me, there's so many parallels to that. Where that we we're, we're wasting our time teaching certain subjects. Uh, one example might be history. Uh, history is important, and they ought to keep teaching what's history. But I don't remember. I took a lot of history courses. And I don't ever remember them talking about the Illuminati. No, no. <laughs> I don't remember them ever talking about any of that that gives a real clean understanding of world history in the last couple of hundred years. And I'm thinking, like, I went through college, and I didn't hear one. I never heard anything about all of that. How could I be expected to think how, that, that I, I, know I have a grip on history? It was left out. Do you believe course, it exists today? Without a doubt. It, it, no, yeah. Have you ever seen a course on uh, the mafia? I'm Italian, so yeah. <laughs> a course on how to do it, how it works? How the mafia works? Yeah. No. How uh, the economy is held up by money laundering and how there's no instruction on these big areas of truth. And we, we just train everybody on it. A little side issues that really are harmless and have no, you can't apply it to the life that you're in. What is the situation with your family? You were obviously married and divorced, right, and you yeah. mentioned you had a son, right? Yeah, yeah. And are, are you active in your son's life? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. What does he yeah, do today? He's a, believe it or not, he's a gardener. Really? <laughs> what a different road. Yeah. He didn't follow dad's yeah. footsteps as, yeah, a, yeah. as a physician or a professional rollerblader? No, 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 yeah. It, it's interesting. The whole thing is interesting. But um, the Chinese, my favorite proverb, Chinese proverb, is if you want to be happy for two hours, get drunk. If you want to be happy for two years, get married. If you want to be happy for a lifetime, become a gardener. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. That's a good one. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Miyagi had it figured out with his bonsai <laughs> trees, didn't he? Well, you notice a lot of people, uh, they, they end up gardening in the last right. part and, of their life. Yeah, gardening or artists. Yeah. Painting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, where uh, you obviously you uh, you transitioned to uh, to is it inline skating then? Yeah, inline okay. skating. And were you doing that before you became slow mo? You obviously had the passion beforehand, right? I, I started. I found out about what I call the sliding sports. Those like skating and skiing. I found out skiing when I was about twenty four or twenty five years old that I could that. Skiing, the idea, the feeling of going around a curve <laughs> on skis sliding, it, it made it was a special feeling. I, I just really like the feeling, uh, the exhilaration. It's a feeling of exhilaration, okay, that you would naturally get if you're in a sports car and you, you're really driving and going sure. around a corner. Okay, that feeling, some people get it more than others. And if they get it with a sport like surfing or skiing or um or skating or skateboarding they will do that sport for the rest of their lives just and it's a kind of a thing it's a sliding sports because to get the feeling you have to have an element of acceleration mm. so if you're going straight it won't do it like if you're driving a car straight down the road but once you start going around a corner you start to get what i'm talking about yeah okay well skating Skiing, because of the difficult, you can't. It's too difficult to get there, and and all the problems. So, but skating, um, I figured like I could get the feeling, the same feeling by carving the turns at a certain, just a certain, just enough. And if I were to concentrate on it and keep it, you know, I could build it. So when I skate, what I'm doing inside i'm not skating looking at things outside i'm working a feeling that's inside my my uh well i feel it as if it's some of it's right down in the feet right where the uh the ball of the foot uh goes through to the to the thing i can i can feel that and hold it and visualize it but there's another feeling of pushing against gravity okay like you're standing up okay and once you get that f feeling you hold you keep it going and you skate according to keep that feeling going okay and and to do that it will guide you uh to uh, you, you'll notice that what you're doing you're staying in a continual state of acceleration because uh, very in a very slow way you're winding a circle, okay, like a pendulum spinning. Like if you curve one turn, it, it's like you're accelerating in an arc yep. on that turn. Then you switch to the other turn, you're accelerating to Pushing an arc back. on the other turn. So basically, the feeling of the acceleration, that's what gives the feeling. Okay, and if you kind of capture that and learn how to keep it and build it and in harness your mind, it. Yeah, it's like sex. You just have, you have to concentrate sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and okay. bring it in and harness it, and then you go into a meditative state. Right, exactly. It, that's exactly right. And and the music, let the music. In my case, I I try to put that on what I the the melody of the music, which uh, will plan a path. Okay, the melody will draw a path 
uh, that you can visualize kind of in front of you. And if you stay on that path, no matter where the objects are, that is the people that I would have to go in and out of, no matter where they are, you will miss them. There's something that I don't understand that ties together um, melody, and it's got to be a good melody. Right. Okay, it's got to be, like I can tell you that a, a famous, uh, somebody that writes really good music and has a good melody, that'll track through a complicated crowd really well. Okay. You don't have to, it'll just, for some reason. It takes on a life of its own. Yeah, it takes on a life of its own. Almost gives you a force field. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's more like that than it is, like, I'm not at that point. And, and a lot of what I'm, uh, I try to do is once I get it going, then I try to retire. I, I try to disappear myself. That's when you let go. Yeah, and to see if the whole thing will will do itself okay so you're not in control <laughs> yeah yeah wow that's fascinating yeah yeah so it, it, what i'm doing when i'm skating is i'm working kind of the inside of the subjectivity with these feelings and the feelings i've learned for instance if you have if you keep the feeling and both your feet like at both soles you visualize it and you can feel them down right. there and you're moving as long as you freeze the feeling and don't forget and think of something else, you can't fall. So instead of trying to balance yourself and whatnot, you can, you can control yourself just by feeling like there are tricks like that. Yep. There are other tricks that, uh, that I found out um, by studying the movement and what you could call four-dimensional space, which is including time, all right? But if I'm going toward you as I get closer to you, it looks like I'm getting closer, and then I'm going to hit you. Okay, and there's a zone in there where the, the people naturally they see you as very large, and the collision is imminent. But there's a hidden space in there. I get it. Okay, you so feel that in a car sometimes when you're driving a vehicle. Yes. I'm gonna hit this curb. I can't yeah, yeah, I feel that. Yes, I okay. know I've got that safety. Yes, that's right. It. Okay, and once you experiment more and more, like coming closer and closer to the car, you find out that there's a lot of space there, and you can trust it. It's always there. That's amazing. I get yeah. it. Yeah. So, and there are other little things like that. Um, first off, the, as you probably know that the oldest of the great religions is Taoism, right? The, the Qing, the, the, the earliest Chinese yep. religion. Well, they, they talk about the Tao, okay? The Tao is the path, all right? There's always a path. The way you see the path is by not seeing the objects. Like now I'm looking at you, Okay, but you're not in the path. You're you. The path's not there because it's an object. Right. But there is a path. Now, how do I see that? I see that by not seeing you. I got it. Okay, and it takes a switch of your ver uh, visual powers. Okay, subjectively. So once you learn to switch it and not go back, you can always be in the path. Do you understand? No I matter who moves where. Yeah. And how long have you been on this path? Well, I've, I've known about <laughs> the thing I really like is it matches up perfectly with what the Chinese say, you know, 3,000 years ago. 
about the path once you find the path and it's applicable to everything you're right you and i talked about addiction addiction is if i were skating and i'm looking at say beautiful women i get addicted to an object looking at things you can't skate looking at things you won't find the path right <laughs> the path <laughs> you're <laughs> right you'll, you'll run into one of the women begin to talk to them and you'll start you'll get stuck right yeah takes you off your game man the way to move and it's always the women is the path we're all on a path and and we get we get uh sometimes we go off to the side and we get stuck to an object you're so right yeah this is the uh, whether it's a woman a guy for for whoever or set of behaviors something shiny a shiny little car that nice house on the hill that's right it takes us off our path that's exactly right yeah i've been off my path for a while and it's so great to be back on my path after being off of it yeah but the hustle still stays alive here's a here's a something to think about i think about is when you think about the objects that are uh, if you're in the path, the objects are in the periphery. Kind of, uh, you're not attached to any of them, all right? So you're in the path, and you begin to think, well, I wonder if one of these objects really isn't better than the path. For instance, maybe I should get married, find a perfect person and get married, and then that object, I'll uh, be in love with that object, for the rest of my life, or I'm going to do this or that, or I'm going to get be, this job or yeah, take that or whatever. job. Yeah, I'm going to get this. I'm going to do this and that. All right. In that case, you be, you leave the path and you get stuck to an object. Now, the way to think of, to remind yourself of this is that the path is what the Buddhists call the void. It is an emptiness. There's nothing in the path. Okay? It's empty. All right, the objects are, they come and go. The path, it's always there. So what happens, what's happening is, as far as you're concerned, being, going through the path, is that the path gives birth to these objects, one after the other. Mm. The path is the mother of all the objects, the objects being the people primarily that we're concerned with, but everything uh, that you would be attracted to. The path is the path, and that, and and getting back to the, uh, a person um, in the middle third of life, uh, typically his main function is to keep alive inside himself the part of himself that lives in the path that is his soul. To think of it as a small child that he has to protect as it matures. You want to get him through the middle third safely. Think of yourself as being the bodyguard of your soul mm-hmm. in a world that we know but the soul doesn't it's not his world take care of it as it matures and then first off I can say um, that 
the likelihood is you will not have any medical problems, okay? That you you won't have heart trouble if you because it opens your heart. Think of think of all the heart disease. The way to treat heart disease is to be a loving person. The way to treat uh, uh, mental uh, deterioration is to to think. Keep the mind active. The way to stay healthy is to um, keep the body uh, running like a car. Keep it old and greased and ready to go. You know, running good. Don't let it. And the same thing about the house. Uh, I think Trump is out there painting the thing as fast as he can. You know, he's got ladders. And I lost the house during the recession, so. <laughs> you did? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that. Um, Looking back, that'll that'll be something that'll uh, be interesting for you to to think about. And yeah, I still I still think about it, you know, because all within a series of events, you know, lost a job, lost a house, yeah, my wife got yeah. cancer, all within a all within a period, and it really uh, really messed me up in the head at the time. But now here I am, ten years later, and I wear it like a badge of honor. And I also look back and I say, you know. I survived. I got through it. It sucked, but today's a new day. Right. That's the middle third. That's the you're middle at, third, man. You're at the front, dude. Think World War One. That's what it is. It, you're at the front, and people get shot. They get wounded. They get gassed. They get killed. This is difficult. It's not a rose garden. Yeah. And you've been through it. And I'll tell you, um, when you visualize in your mind everybody that's experiencing these things in their lives try to think of the millions and billions of people and all of them from childhood all the the difficult tragic sad pain suffering uh, regret all of that shame guilt yeah, it, all it's that a garbage. huge so I reckon um, there's a good reason to think that the earth is, to some extent, a, a prison or a place of recompense where we have to, you know, this isn't supposed to be easy for any of us. And um, sometimes I think I, I'm like one of those, I get, the, um, the difference is I get to go in the prison yard an extra part of the afternoon <laughs> <laughs> but on your own terms yeah buddy. i get to walk next to the fence <laughs> <laughs> but your own terms pal yeah, it's yeah. your own terms and you're doing what you love in your own style yeah trying to and you're finding yeah. that state that brings you happiness man yeah. and i wish you continued happiness thanks i appreciate it and i, I hope you i hope you find your happiness as well i'm still on the path man yeah the path I'm on the path. I haven't found it yet, but I'm on the path. Yeah, good. Terrific. What a positive ending. Thank you to uh, Slomo for uh, for sitting down with us here on Cantori and You. I hope you enjoyed that. Certainly a lot to think about. I'm going to have to go. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go have to listen to that again. Certain sections. Uh, wow. 
Thank you to our sponsors. I want to mention the Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash you. We have some uh, awesome people taking part in that from Forrest to Butch to Jen to Dave. And of course, Mariposa ice cream. Also huge patrons. I was actually over at Mariposa this past weekend doing a uh, scoop thing. I was scooping ice cream on behalf of Surfers Healing, who is also part of our network. And it was just awesome. Just such an amazing night and doing service and serving people. It's such a beautiful, organic thing. And I had a blast. So thank you to Mariposa Ice Cream for also supporting the network and you for listening, checking it out, and subscribing on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Please subscribe. And uh, thank you for listening. Until next time, be well. I'll see you on the boardwalk with Slow Mo.